I don't like to be in meetings very often. Um, so standing meetings for me are a little difficult because personally, and, and what's the cool part of like being, having a lot of our leadership here in office, I can just pop in and like walk over and go talk to them, right? And, and get things that I need done. So a lot of those meetings, it's, it's truly just, all right, we're, it's almost like a mini therapy session. Like, hey, how are things going? Are we good? All right, awesome, let's get back to work. Everybody has the same goals and, every, and like the, we have a clear path and we know what we need to get done. And that's what I really appreciate about a lot of our leaders here is like they run their own businesses and I get to just come in and. Welcome to the Freedom Chasers podcast where we bring you interviews and discussions that share the stories, successes, goals and dreams of real estate agents and real estate investors pursuing a life of purpose and freedom. All right, guys, we're super stoked to have Javi Chavez on today. I met Javi at Ryan Pineda's event. Javi is Ryan COO. He's the operations officer. This guy comes from a background of sales. So I know not normal to go through crazy sales training and end up in the operations world, but this guy seems to be one of the perfect integrators coming from sales. He's been able to expand companies. He's now the COO of a $40 million year company. They've tripled their revenue over the last three years. Javi, I'm so excited to talk to you. One, to get the insights into how you tripled a 10 to $13 million company into a $40 million company, but also to hear your journey. How did you go from salesperson, you know, maybe out of high school to a COO of a $40 million company? Yeah, I mean, it's been a journey for sure. Uh, but first, happy to be here. Thanks, Matt. You know, it was a great introduction. Uh, event was super fun. Uh, it was our biggest one that we've put on yet. Next one coming up April 4th through the 6th. So really, really stoked to, uh, you know, get everyone back out there. But yeah, it, it's been a ton of fun. Um, you know, like you said, there's a lot of people who don't make that transition or who don't even want to make that transition from, you know, the sales world into like the operations world. But I think especially with a lot of these tech companies, most people these days, you know, that get into some sort of leadership position, you know, your sales directors, your VPs of sales, they end up being operators anyway. Um, so it's just different title. I mean, in, in a different organization, I'd be, I might be considered like a CRO, um, but you know, we're, we're a startup, we're lean. So we do a little bit of everything here. Cool. Your journey started out in sales. You had mentioned to me before the call that you had a $60,000 sales job at the beginning. You felt like you had conquered the world. <laughs> kind of tell us about that. And then how, how has your career developed? Yeah, absolutely. So um, starting from the very beginning, uh, I got my first sales job when I was right around 18. Um, it was a contracted job for the Home Depot. So what you would do is you'd walk up and down the aisles asking people if they were homeowners trying to market their kitchen and bathroom designers. Uh, so it was a grind. Uh, I cut my teeth on that one. Then after that, I got into car sales. Um, and that's where I thought I was, I was like, dude, like I, that's where it, it really clicked for me with sales. I like walked in one day, like had no appointment scheduled, made like 800 bucks, which at the time felt like amazing. You know, 18, 19 year old kid. Dude, I was like, dude, yeah, I, I'm a millionaire. Um, and then, then I got into tech and that's when I, like, I, I think I, yeah, I was making 60 grand a year. And then I was looking at like the median income out of college, which was right around like, you know, 50, 60,000. And I'm like, Dude, I'm already here. Um, <laughs> right. I would never recommend anyone drop out, by the way. But um, yeah, so I was like, you know what? I don't need this. I'm out. So uh, I, I, was, I, I think I was already looking for an excuse to drop out anyway, and that was it. And, um, you know, it, it worked out in my favor. Uh, from then on, you know, I, I never stopped learning. Obviously, you know, you, you got to keep on developing. Um, but it was just more so things that I was now interested in or, or things that I think 
would be valuable to me down the road. Um, but yeah, it was super, 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 super fun. A hundred percent. Like I'm kind of a similar boat. Like I, it was so hard for me to read in high school and college. I hated it. And it's so funny how you're talking about your love for learning, but you're dropping out of school. Uh, yep. So tell us, I mean, is it literally just a subject matter of sales and growth is so much more exciting to you than say, of you know, literature and history? Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, I think like history is super cool. I actually did pretty well, like coming up, but like, I was like, how am I like, how is this going to help me? Um, I mean, and, and I lived in San Diego, so I think maybe partying a little too hard might've had something to do with the dropping out too. Um, but looking back on it, I, it truly was like, all right, dude, like I was so into like this personal development stuff. I was so into, you know, getting better at sales at the time, at the time, you know, only, pre only people out there were like Grant Cardone, um, a bunch of old sales stuff, um, you know, Zig Ziglar, um, you, you don't have the cool sales trainers that you have today. hundred um, percent. I remember doing Grant yeah. Cardone stuff on the little phone app. Like what was the objection handler? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I, I had the, I was like reading the closer survival guide, seller be sold, 10 yeah. X rule, all that stuff. Um, and through that, you know, it, I was able to, again, hone in my craft, get better. And I think that's why I was able to like develop and, you know, move up the ranks a little bit more quickly than I think some other people have, uh, just because I was dedicated to things that I thought were going to improve my skill set down the road. Totally. So, so a complete mindset of self-education surrounding like the things that matter, how to get better, what's happening now. Is that what led you to tech? Cause you felt like the world was moving in tech or it just ended up that way. I think it kind of ended up that way, like ended up that way. But once I got my first, you know, sale, real tech sales job, it was right after car sales. So just to kind of continue the full trajectory of the story was, you know, I was in car sales, was making good money, but then I, I was selling cars for Toyota and some of like the old adages of, you know, jaded car sales guys kind of were a little true. And I was like, dude, I don't love the culture here. Like, uh, and then I interviewed at this place called Take Lessons in San Diego. I think they're still around. Um, and at that point, I was like, wow, I can make the same amount of money sitting in front of a desk. There's free snacks, uh, it's air conditioned, <laughs> and the people are really cool. I was like, dude, this is great. So <laughs> it, it, it was a little bit of like, I can make a lot more money here. And if you look at now these, these salaries that tech, like before I moved um, to work for Ryan, I was like at a six figure salary base plus all my commissions. And, you know, I was like a mid-market account executive with like some leadership stuff along with that. So um, th there's just the most room for growth, I think, in tech. And the, the, the you're, you get paid so well as a salesperson. So it's tough to, tough to dispute it. 100%. So, so you kind of had a, a stint of about a year or two at each of these tech kind of moving on up, which is a very, you know, typical progression. Yep. What was like, what were you looking for as you're progressing? Was it more income? Was it better training? Uh, more solid company? Oh, dude, just income. income yeah. <laughs> um, it, it was income. And of course, a solid company, a product that I can sell. Um, right there. So those were kind of the most important things. It's income was probably almost number one, but it was also like, Hey, can I get behind this product? Do I like the people I'm going to work with? Uh, and the good news is I learned a lot of those things just through like trial and error. And those were at like the first couple companies that I worked at, right? Like the, um, our, like the contractor company and then also, um, the car sales. Like once I was like, okay, these are the red flags that I don't want to deal with. And then I, you know, I kept on growing. 
And there seems to be a progression in the salesman's journey. Like they're leveling up, the income keeps going up. They start making six figures, multiple six figures. And then all of a sudden at some point they recognize, hey, this is a grind. And oh, yeah. then there usually seems to become some thoughts of how do I like own things, either own parts of companies or properties. What, what triggered that for you? Was it just a certain amount of time in the business or? Yeah, I mean, I thoroughly enjoy sales. Like even to this day, like I will still hop on calls just for fun. And I don't tell people that I'm like the COO either. I just like, you know, hop on and, you know, I'll take an overflow call. Just number one, see if I still got it. Um, but two, just, right. it, it's just, it, I, I, I really get enjoyment out of it. But um, where I kind of transitioned into kind of like investing uh, was like, it was 2020. Um, it was the first time that I actually had like a good amount of money saved up. So I think that also plays a role in it too. Like I, I had a, I was making six figures for a couple of years and I was like, okay, like I've, I have a little bit of a, cushion here like so what do i do so yeah that's how i ended up finding ryan ended up getting into real estate investing uh, i was getting into wholesaling and it was just the perfect thing to transition to because i was like all right this is it's, it's sales it's what i've been doing i was able to apply a lot of the same things you know i, I got a good crm i already knew about you know dialers I already knew about follow-up sequences so i was able to treat it like a tech business or at least like a tech sales job uh, and that's where I saw pretty, pretty quick success. Um, and so I started wholesaling, doing that on the side, um, then got into flipping, partnering with people. I'd never, I, I'm finally buying rentals now, but I, I didn't do that for the first two years of my like investing career. Dude, it's so interesting because I was, I was similar. Like I became an agent, you're hustling, you're making the income and then you start to waste. Hey, half this is going to uncle Sam anyways. Like yep. you start, start learning, start leveling up. So you, did you meet Ryan off of an ad that he was running or? Yeah, well, so back then he, so um, we actually just got into paid media, uh, like really heavily in the last maybe six, eight months or so. Um, so back then it was just organic stuff and he like, he has like a million plus followers on TikTok. So I was, you know, it, it was the, first of all, it was the pandemic. So I, I was super bored. So I was just scrolling through um, and then his videos started coming up on like, Hey dude, this is how you can invest in real estate. This is what I do. I, I invest with none of my own capital. Right. You know? Uh, and, um, at first I was like, dude, this guy's a scam. Um, right. and then so, but he kept on <laughs> the hairdo, up. everything's like polished. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, but he kept on coming up on my feed and I'm like, dude, all right. So I, so I threw him a follow. Uh, I started like doing some more research. I'm like, okay, this is actually really, really interesting. Um, bought his course, uh, went through it in like a night. I was like, this isn't enough. I need more. And then he was, yeah, he was offering his like all-star program, joined that. And then that's where, you know, I was able to learn from not only him, but a bunch of other pretty high level investors and, uh, you know, and rest is history. <laughs> so, so give us a breakdown. So you're, you're making some decent money. You're a salesperson. You drop a, a thousand bucks in the course. You need more. If you don't mind, give us an idea of what that program cost at that time. What was yeah. it like a struggle or was it just an automatic, like, Hey, I'm in. Well, so they do, they did split it up into two payments for me, which was nice, cool. uh, but it was 15 K. Um, yeah. and so it, to me, like I had just, like, I had probably about 30 grand saved up. So like, I was like, I had just gotten to this point where I'm like, okay, I have money. Like I'm feeling good. And then I'm going to give up half. And I'm like, Oh dude, like, I, I don't know. <laughs> um, tough. Yeah, yeah it, it was tough, but like I had already, and I think you probably know this, like salespeople are the easiest people to sell. Um, right. <laughs> <laughs> so I was already pretty much sold. I just needed somebody to like, tell me it was going to be okay. Um, yeah. And 
So yeah, I, I pulled the trigger, but like at that point though, it kind of lit a fire under me where I'm like, all right, I have to go make this back or I have to go make this successful. Um, and so I, I took me about, I think 45 days or so to get my first wholesale deal. I think I, I started with him in August. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I started with him in August and then by September, like 30 something, I think it's like September 30th, I got my first deal. So, and were you doing deals out in your area in California? Yep, San Diego, California. Yeah, which is a pretty competitive market. Yeah, it was. Um, but at the time, like, uh, yeah, I think it, I was probably ignorant that I didn't know how many people were out there, how many people were, were doing it. Uh, it didn't feel competitive. Um, yeah. And again, like I said, I, I was just able to. Number one, take the stuff that these high-level guys were already doing, not just Ryan, but everybody else who's in the group. Uh, and because it was so small at the time, um, I was really able to pick everyone's brain. And, like, I knew who the heavy hitters were. Um, and, yeah, there were only, like, 15, 20 people in there. And so I took what, what they knew, applied what I could do with, like, getting a really, really good CRM, the follow-up sequences, all of that. And that's what allowed me – I mean, I probably got a little lucky, too, um, just with the list I pulled or whatever – uh, you know, batch leads was like brand new at the time. You know, a lot of these like, you know, prop stream was kind of around, but, um, you know, we got in a little early and 2020 was great, uh, yeah. for, for everybody. A lot of I mean, I think in... anybody could sell out, anybody could wholesale a house in 2020. Yep. <laughs> yep. Yeah. And yep. let's talk about that. So, and then we'll go back to the story, but yeah. now it's a bit different, right? I mean, maybe a little easier to get a deal, maybe it harder, like, how have, have your guys' processes shifted now that the market has been so different? Yeah, I mean, we've transitioned to pretty much novating or listing everything on the MLS. Um, so instead of having to wholesale to another investor, which has been pretty difficult for us, um, and it's been difficult for everybody, by the way, um, we just, if we lock a property up under contract, we will then just put that, assuming that it fits our criteria, onto the MLS. Um, and then we'll sell to a regular buyer or another investor, uh, but it allows us to, you know, get more out of that deal and lock up deals that might not have been, you know, 60% of ARV, right? And with those, you know, we're, we're right, like we just closed on one, we made like a 90K uh, fee just on novations, and, but we're averaging anywhere between like 20 to 30,000 on our novation deals, which are, which are great. Perfect. And so you're essentially locking on these novations. You're giving yourself plenty of time because you're just taking over the the rights, essentially. Maybe you guys are using cry power of attorneys or something like that to, mm -hmm. to do yep. it. So uh, depending on, depends on the deal. Um, but, you know, the, the, the general sales pitch is, all right, you know, hey, like, Mr. Seller, uh, you say you need 300 for your property, right? I can promise you that I will get you that, but I'm going to need a little bit more time, a little bit more access, and we can make this whole thing happen. So I'll guarantee you that you're going to make your 300. Now we're gonna partner on this deal. Um, I'm gonna list it for you. I'm gonna handle everything. Uh, so you still don't have to deal with the standard stuff of a real estate agent. You're able to get your money. I'm gonna take my fee. And we usually set a contract for about 90 days out. Perfect. And that gives you time because you're immediately putting it back on. And then if that property needs any sort of work or extensive work, we then handle it, goes it. 180, 180 days or more and you take care of the repairs. Yeah, exactly. So that's the, that's the other thing. That's the the big value add for a lot of these people. They're like, they usually have to like, if a seller makes, or I'm sorry, if a buyer makes certain requests, repair requests, they have to cover it. We cover all that for them. So it's a lot easier of a transaction for them as opposed to a standard listing. That's perfect. And you guys aren't paying for the property. 
Uh, nope. I've, I've loved the Novation deals that we've done. It's like, cause you can go buy the $600,000 properties cause you're not paying hard money. You're not using your own money. It's a lot less exactly. risky. Yeah. You have yeah. a lot, your, your buy box just opens up incredibly um, when you are doing that. So it's, it's a good strategy that we picked up during this time cause things were tough, but it's something that we're going to keep in our tool belt, you know, forever, forever. Yeah. hundred percent. So you're in this group, you're doing some deals. And then some stuff happens because right now you're in tech sales, but of course, as of this interview, you're Pineda COO. So give us a little yep. more insight into the journey. Yeah. Um, so fast forward two years later, it's right around February of last year, 2020. Um, you know, Ryan's, uh, he's, he's big golfer. So he was coming to San Diego, I think for some conference and he wanted to go play some golf. And so um, I locked up a tee time. We're just out there chatting. Um, I'm kind of talking about where I'm at with my career. Like, Hey, you know, I'm, Getting into sales management, I, I could see that I can probably take this to like go be a VP of sales or a CRO, something along those lines. Um, I could do that. Hope that I get with the company, get an exit, get lucky. Um, or I could go all in on real estate investing. Like, Ryan, what do you think I should do? And he's like, dude, well, actually, good timing. I do need a sales manager right now. So why don't you just do that for me? So basically, uh, the way he was building out the businesses were... He had, um, we had, we were just building out our parent company, which is Pineda Company, where I'm still at now. So it's a shared resource company for all the brands that we utilize. So our wealthy investor, wealthy creator, uh, home run offer, which is our house flipping operation. So basically they get a little piece of me, uh, depending on which company needs it at the time. So um, I was a sales manager for them. So I was overseeing um, home run offer, our investor business, which is our education company. Um, and all the other businesses that, that, that we run. Um, so it, it was an amazing opportunity. Uh, made me level up leadership wise, uh, big time. Cause I went from, you know, helping out with like three, four different people, um, you know, uh, on the tech sales side to now overseeing, like, I, th I think at the time it was only seven, but then we tripled to right around, I think like 30 plus salespeople by the end of it. So yeah, it, it was, it was pretty crazy. <laughs> Let's go in the nitty gritty on that because yeah. I mean, there's a lot of people out there that are, are starting to get some success and they're trying to grow. Were you just hiring people with experience in the real estate space? Were you hiring newbies? And if so, you're fairly new. So how, how is this all coming together? Yeah, um, it was tough, but uh, yeah, it, it was, uh, it was tough. But the good news is uh, this, like the coat, a lot of these people that we were scaling were from the coaching space or like that we were like, it was our, it was our coaching program that was growing the fastest. Um, and we have pretty good connections with people who are in the high ticket closing niche. And also they're like, I've, I've never up until just recently heard of the term high ticket closer or actually up until I had just started working for Ryan. I was like, dude, there's this whole industry of people who like have this job title that I've never even heard of. Um, so attracting the talent actually wasn't the hardest part. Because number one, Ryan has a big following. A lot of people want to work for him. And there are these companies and people who are already looking for like this remote salesperson commission only, uh, even though they're extremely talented. And like our top guy, he, dude, he's way, way better sales guy than me. Um, he closed $2.9 million in commissions just for the, the coaching company. Um, huge. And we pay our people pretty well between eight to 12%. He was always getting 12. So you can do the math on mm -hmm. that one. He did extremely yeah. well for himself. Yeah, um, yeah. But back to your question about um, the, 
like leveling up leadership wise and, and all of that. I, I mean, I, I've always had an interest in that. So I was always like reading like leadership books on the side, but I never got to fully put into practice. And frankly, like I wouldn't say that I'm like a 10 out of 10 leader by any means, but I think it's just, you learn by doing, uh, you gain respect by, you know, being competent in your position, caring about the people that you're with. And I, I like to think that I did a pretty good job of that. Um, and everybody's out here just trying to figure it out anyway. And that's one thing that you learn with all business. Like even like the, the biggest tech companies that I've worked for, they're still trying to figure it out. Um, so I, I think transparency, um, accountability, and just, you know, allowing your team to figure it out with you, I think can get you pretty far. Totally. So, and you're, you guys are scaling a lot of salespeople. And so this, were most of these people oriented towards the coaching side? Uh, yes. The majority of the people that were already oriented towards the coaching side are home run offer team. Uh, we, I think we acquired a few people here and there. Um, but for the most part, it was all scaling on the education side because we were also, I mean, we built out, I think two or three new coaching offers too, that needed their own sales teams. Um, we also have true books, which is our tax and CPA firm. Uh, they only had one sales guy at the time. So we had to move to, you know, I think we have like three people over there now. Um, and we also transitioned from a full cycle model to like a setter closer or SDR account executive model. Uh, and that increased our headcount significantly because now we needed to get a lot of our appointment setters. Um, and so that was the biggest transition in the, the early days too, uh, when I first came in. So we went from, I think we had two or three full cycle salespeople at our coaching program to now, you know, we have eight. Um, and that's between our account executives and our closers. And actually, I'm sorry, we have nine. Um, and that's four and four, four and five, I apologize. Love that <laughs> And this is all growing so fast because Ryan's social media following is exploding between the videos Absolutely. and ads and all these things. Would you, at 19 years old, would you picture Javi being sitting where you're sitting now? Like, what were, what were your goals? What were your dreams? Oh, uh, I mean, it's funny because I actually applied to work for Grant Cardone way back, like 20, uh, like right early, early on when I had found out about him. And he, like, I tell you, I took like one interview, but then they were like, oh, you have to move to Florida. And I was like, oh, I'm not ready to move to Florida yet. But so when you ask me that, I think like in the in the in between stages, like while I was in tech and all the other stuff, I'd probably tell you no. But if I look back on like the early days of like what I was like actually thinking about doing, it's funny how I ended up working for an education company. And because I've also said this that like before working for Ryan, I would never work for another education company. And even after working for Ryan, I still would never work for another education company. If God forbid this ever didn't work out, I'd be right back in tech. Uh, just because like, mm. I, I don't, there's a lot of people that in this space that, you know, might not be the most authentic, but Ryan's the real deal. I love, I love working for him. I love the ability to like try everything, you know, try all these new businesses grow. Um, and so to answer your question, if you asked me a couple of years ago, no, but it, like if you asked 19 year old Javi, absolutely. So it's been totally. good. Yeah. I love it. Where does now you're probably like 30 ish. Is that fair to say? Yep. 28. Where, where do you see the 40 year old, 45 year old? Body? Um, ideally, uh, you know, we have a lot more property. Um, we're still growing, scaling businesses. If it's with Ryan, amazing. Um, or I'm, I'm doing it on my own. Uh, I, I think, 
I've always had a passion for like help, like building a business, I think is a lot more exciting to me than just amassing, you know, a big portfolio or closing more deals. Like, I think I would, I want to continue to do and park my money in real estate. Like, I don't think I'm going to ever be a stock trader or like a crypto guy. Um, but day to day, I think I'm the most satisfied and the most fulfilled doing what I'm doing right now is looking at businesses, acquiring them, and then also helping them operate and run better. Totally. So you had a lot of experience in these tech companies, recruiting, growing these, these teams. What, what sort of skills and processes did you bring to Ryan that people that our audience can learn from before they're scaling? Yeah. I mean, I think it was pretty easy to come in and make an impact. And I, I, he's mentioned this before too, right? It's like, we had zero systems, like literally nothing. Uh, we, had, we were using Podio, which is an okay CRM um, and a lot of Google and Excel spreadsheets. And honestly, we like, so bringing in some like some tech stacks, some, a good CRM um, and full transparency. I don't think a CRM's ever built and things always break. And so yeah. like, we're still, navigating all that but it's just like utilizing the tools that we already had and then helping things run a little bit better and then bringing somebody who's just going to be completely focused on the back end because ryan and brian who owns part of a wealthy investor and our education side like they are so visionary focused and they're so big picture that you need somebody to like come in and build the pieces like the way i compare it is there's you know, the, the idea that like an entrepreneur, you know, he jumps out of a plane and builds the plane on the way down. But like Ryan just jumps and then I'm over here trying, <laughs> trying to build the wings. <laughs> he um, doesn't even try and build it on the way down. No, no. He, he just has complete faith that someone's going to come in and build it. And yeah, that's my job. <laughs> so so um, it's been great. Just to stick on Ryan for a second, because I think a lot of visionaries can really relate to this. Like they're not even trying to build it. Like, has Ryan just always succeeded at all of his companies? No. Uh, like, give us give us a glimpse because, like, I just, from the outside observer, I'm just like, my goodness. And I know I'm seeing it from the event in January, seeing mm -hmm. the post-Javi, post a lot of great guys he's put in front of him, yeah. team. But what are some of the, maybe the challenges you faced, Ryan's faced, and, and how has that shaped you guys? Yeah, I, I mean, one of our most, like, so we cut about three businesses at beginning of Q4. So that was like, we had a, like a big executive sit down, so to speak, right? So we were like looking at a couple of our businesses and, you know, hey, are, is, are these gonna fit the mold once we transition to, you know, where we wanna go, right? So first we looked at the vision. So the long-term vision, um, this isn't really insider information, but it's like long-term vision, we want to be like a billion dollar brand. Right. That's like, that's why we made the transition from like all these other businesses to the wealthy, wealthy brand. We have all these other ventures that we're going after all these service based businesses. Um, and in order to do that, we got to, we had to, for lack of a better term, trim the fat. So we had, um, you know, we, we've had deals that didn't never even made it to the finish line. We've had deals that lasted, you know, two, three months that we, that we had a lot of promise for, uh, that we had to, you know, for whatever reason, it didn't work out with that partner. Um, so yeah, absolutely. There's, there's, while we, we do a lot and I would say we have more winners than losers, there's definitely been a couple losers even in the last year. Totally. 
I mean, in the average failure rate of business is like 90%. So if you're winning yeah. even at 50 or 70%, you're doing something way better than whatever yeah. is standard. And you want to know what the crazy part about that stat is? That's after 10 years. So, I mean, <laughs> we, we haven't made it out of the, out of the woods right? yet. Yeah. yeah. But uh, yeah, it's a... Uh, but we like to think that well, you know, we're building stuff that's going to last. Um, and, and one thing that I, um, Grant, told, Grant Cardone told Ryan, because Ryan toured his office, right? And he was, he was walking through and, you know, Grant has, I, I think, like a 300-person office, right? And then so Ryan's kind of walking around, checking it out. He's like, what you don't see are the ghosts of all the people who were here, right? Yeah. And same thing with us. I mean, we have a lot of people who have come through might have played a role for a while who are no longer with us or whatever, right? So there, there's there's a lot that goes into it to build the brand and even build it to where we've gotten it to today. So yeah, absolutely. There's been lots of winners, few losers, but that, that's part of business. So you show up to the office. What time do you show up? What does a typical day for Javi look like as the COO? Yeah, um, you know, we wake up, uh, Ryan and I, we work out right around six, um, he just got his home gym. So we're working out over there these days. Um, then I go hang out, kind of have some me time, get into the office right around 8.30, nine o'clock. Um, I'll be here right around till 5.30ish, six, depending on the day. Um, I definitely, I'm the most productive in the mornings. So I try to get like, knock out as much stuff there. Um, my, my first hour is completely open. So I don't have, I don't book any call. I try not to book any calls. That's like my, my time to, get everything done, make sure that I'm set up for the day. If I have some tasks or whatever, that's usually the time. Then my first meetings are at 10, between 10 and, you know, four, 10 and 12. And then the rest of the time I leave open for whatever else I need to. But a lot of my day now, like I try to structure it. So all my meetings are on Fridays. So those are like my meetings with our other high level executives. Uh, so each business unit has its own leader, has its own quote COO, right? So all of my like COO leadership meetings are on Fridays, kind of recapping, then also goals for the next week. And then the rest of my calendar is pretty free form. Like it, it changes every single week um, depending on what is going on. Um, but of course, our organization, they have like our, our sales team has their daily 10 AMs. I used to be on those now that I'm kind of out of that role. Like we have somebody else who's run those as well. And those meetings with the other COOs, are this like an EOS style meeting? I'm sure there's probably a tight structure to it. Yeah, How I mean, I'm sure there should be a tighter structure. Um, for me, it's okay. So like, hey, what, where are we at with like our KPIs? Like that's kind of the first thing that we talk about. Then I, then I let them kind of, hey, like what, what are your asks? What do you need from, the, from me? What do you need from like leadership from our side of the business? Then I'll go into like, hey, like this is what we need. or This is what we expect for the following week. So they're, they're pretty straightforward. I may, I don't like to be in meetings very often. Um, so standing meetings for me are a little difficult because personally, and, and what's the cool part of like being, having a lot of our leadership here in office, I can just pop in and like walk over and go talk to them, right? And, and get things that I need done. So a lot of those meetings, it's, it's truly just, all right, we're, it's almost like a mini therapy session. Like, hey, how are things going? Are we good? All right, awesome. Let's get back to work. Because everybody has the same goals and every, and like the, we have a clear path and we know what we need to get done. And that's what I really appreciate about a lot of our leaders here is like they run their own businesses and I get to just come in and put tweaks here and there if they need them. Love it. And so you guys, your guys as a company are at the place now where you're 
attending to attract people like attract companies to come in and buy and partner with what is your guys's criteria how are you figuring out what's a fit for the wealthy brand and what falls outside of it so our criteria right now is if it's a wealth if it fits education it's probably going to have a wealthy name associated with it right and then if it doesn't and we still think it's interesting then we have Pineda ventures which is our like um, where we're going to be acquiring, you know, if we ever do acquire a tech company and we, we're looking at a few right now, um, or if we ever decide to do something different, it'll fall under Pineda Ventures. The other big, like the, the criteria right now that we want to stay in are what we know, education and real estate. So if it's a real estate company or a real estate system, software, service, we'll check it out. Um, if it's education, we actually are negotiating with a couple um, education brands right now who might want to come into the fold. Additionally, the other criteria for if it's a wealthy brand is if Ryan has to promote it. Um, so it's either, and that's negotiated into our deal structure too, right? Like if Ryan has to promote it, we need majority ownership. If we're not promoting it and you can be a standalone business on your own, all right, we'll, 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 we'll figure something else out. We might be a minority partner or something on those lines. Yeah. So essentially someone, maybe they're, they have a standalone sales system. They're just looking for a capital injection or, or something mm -hmm. of that nature. Exactly. And so that's where we'll be either minority partner or with our, with you were there with our new, like our, our Tykes launch, right? That's something that then we would then open up to our network of investors and be like, Hey, this is the, this is the deal. And they just need X amount of dollars. Who wants in? I'd love to know more about how you've educated yourself over the years. I mean, you went from high school person to sales, yeah. which is in and of itself, its own learning curve, human psychology, uh, you know, persuasion, et cetera, to the tech space. Now you're helping to make decisions on ownership mm -hmm. structures, stakes, et cetera. What process have you gone to become educated enough to be a part of these conversations? Yeah. Shark Tank. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> no, uh, I, I think one asking a lot of questions, one thing that I've learned from Ryan really he, if we don't know an answer, we just go talk to people uh, who already have done it or are already doing it extremely well, right? So we, it's, um, I, I forget where I heard this. And this, I think it was a sales thing where it's like, dude, like just copy people. Like just, just like, co like copy, steal, figure it out. Like from the top performers, right? Like if you're not performing the best, go listen to the top performer right? Go listen to his sales calls, go listen to what they're doing. So what we do is we sit down with a lot of these guys who have made it to that next level. You know, the Tony Robbins, the, um, the Grant Cardone's, I keep on, keep on referencing him, but he has a very similar business structure to what we're trying to build with 10 X brand. Right. And that's why he's like, so he's like the closest for to use a real estate term. He's the closest comp to what we're doing. Um, obviously our messaging is different or brands different, but they kind of have the blueprint. So we, we look out to them a lot. Um, but to answer your question, it's a lot of self-education, um, a lot of books, a lot of, uh, a lot of YouTube. Um, and then I'm lucky that I get to be around in these conversations. When we ask for help, people actually pick up the phone and call and talk to us. You know what I mean? Totally. And, and yeah. uh, you know, even getting with somebody like Cody Sanchez, who's buying businesses or getting people with, um, Hermosi and yeah, Hermo, like Hermosi has been great too. He's able to like, I know Ryan reaches out to him. He's like, Hey dude, how do you structure your deals? And he does it a little different than, than we plan on doing it. Um, he takes minority ownership in a lot of the businesses that he does. Uh, but, but he doesn't want to promote anything. 
right? And so that's kind of the difference where we might be willing to promote a business depending on if it makes sense or not. That's incredible. And so what I'd like to know from you is like, what do you think is something that you guys do differently than other companies that is a factor in your success? Our speed. We're able to go from idea to action faster than I've ever seen. You know, like tech companies reference, like, oh, we're a rocket ship. Like, but we roll out ideas and products extremely quickly. We, for, I'll, I'll use an example. So we just brought on um, Ivan Tejeda. He's a Airbnb arbitrage slash uh, like Airbnb ownership coach, right? We went from, hey, we should do an Airbnb idea. That was January. We've rolled out the product. Well, but first we found, we found our guy. We developed the course, developed the coaching program, developed the sales team, and we just launched. It's February 7th is when we launched. And now it's, yeah, so, and, and we, it was a six-figure launch. Um, and, and so it, it's, which, which is crazy, um, but it's because we, we, we know what we're doing. We're able to implement. And even with other things, I mean, we've acquired three businesses and it, we just started thinking about acquiring businesses back in November. So it's our ability to implement and take action extremely quickly and still stay nimble, even though we're growing into this larger team. Uh, that's going to be our, I think our biggest challenge is finding more people who are able, going to be able to think critically and just figure it out as we continue to scale because they, there gets to a point where people, um, act as employees, but there's nothing wrong with that by any means. Um, but you know, it's you know, clock in at a certain time, clock out at a certain time, and they're not going to take the business as seriously as I might, or, and we don't, we shouldn't expect them to either, by the way. Um, but we want, we want to keep that same entrepreneurial culture as we grow and scale. And is it your opinion that the reason you can implement so fast is because he has all the people at the top are truly entrepreneurs and not employees. Absolutely. And even I would say a lot of the people in our middle level, not even not, not mid-level management, but even our, like our middle level in terms of like skill set, they're very entrepreneurial as well. Uh, I think everybody in here at some point can go start and run their own business um, if they wanted to, right? Um, if for those people who are uh, familiar with like the predictive index, a lot of our team, like, a lot of them are, are Mavericks um, yeah. and a, even people who are like at our support levels, um, they, we, we have, and that's for good reason too. Um, and then even our marketing people, like they all could go start their own agencies if they wanted to. So this is really fascinating to me because I love psychology, human study, personality. And so I, apparently have made the wrong decision. Hence my companies have grown much differently. I avoided the Mavericks, right? Because it was like, mm -hmm. Hey, that person's going to leave you really, really quickly. Yeah. And, and so in order to acquire a Maverick and maintain them, like you have to be going at warp speed. You have to be doing so many things. Well, why is it that he's been able to keep so many Mavericks as long yeah, as Yeah, that, and I do want to be transparent that uh, we have like, it's a mix, right? Like I'll be able, we, mm -hmm. we do have Mavericks and we keep Mavericks a lot longer. Um, but we do still have like the standard profiles that we'd want to have, uh, but I'm, I, I'm just referencing that all of our team can go out and eventually start their own business in their competent, yeah, yeah, in their own respective fields. Now, 
Um, back to your question, though, why we're able to keep and attract people. Um, I, I, yeah, like you said, I think we just have people who are excited about the vision and we get people bought in when they're a part of it, right? Like they, whether it be their performances tied to it or their, their compensations tied to it, or they just love what we're building and they're bought in 100%. We have people who show up at 7 a.m. when they need to without being asked. You know what I mean? Like uh, we, after our event, I, I show up to the office on Friday and people are already like taking stuff down, moving stuff out and like no one asked them to. And, and so it, it's, Ryan's been able to build a really, really good culture of just going the extra mile, uh, with, even when no one's watching, which I think is impressive. So you talk about Ivan and he comes in with the idea of the Airbnb. You mentioned the idea building out the course. So is it literally like he has a plan and you guys build out the entire course for him? It's like, it depends. How, how is that working? Um, so yeah. we'll, I'll take this one for example. So he already had his own, he had a, he had a recorded content, recorded course, right? And it, it was pretty solid. Um, and that's part of the reason why we decided to partner with him too. Um, and but we will record like Ryan spent the last week filming new, uh, we call them VSLs. Um, so it's the videos that you see before you book a call. Right. And he's, he's made a 10 minute one, a 20 minute one, a 30 minute one, just to, for different, um, niches that we work with, et cetera. Um, but with Ivan, um, yeah, we developed, like we, we developed the course, we, we shot it. Um, we gave him his recommend, like recommendations on like what we want to see, and then we also integrated him into our wealthy investor network, right? So he runs a couple calls for our all-stars. Um, and that's just part of the deal that, that he gets. And then also like what the schedule looks like for when we actually acquire somebody. And then it's also all the fulfillment on the back end, right? So what does that look like in our CRM when a deal gets closed? Who's going to talk to that person? Who's going to be the support our support managers, all that type of stuff. So that all gets built out along with the actual course creation. So the course creation is honestly the easy part um, because the information, like it's, it's, it's all in there, right? It says, you know, Hey, this is how you lock up a deal. This is what you do to analyze an Airbnb. This is what you say to this, to uh, the landlord or the seller and, and all that kind of stuff. So that part of the, the course filming slash content, we could do that in our sleep. Totally. I mean, especially you guys got that amazing studio. You got all the team and the staff. It's just a matter mm -hmm. of putting. As far as copywriting, is Ryan doing most of the copywriting, or do you guys? Have oh, that is actually. Um, if anybody's watching this who's a copywriter, um, we need more copywriters. So um, Ryan will do uh, some of the copy. We our email marketing is um, we currently outsource it. Um, so that's what you know. They send like a bunch of emails. Um, so they write all the copy for that. Um, website copy is a mix of Ryan and our web developers right now. Um, and we have um, one of our, Crystal, who's our, our uh, main marketing person over at Wealthy Investors. She writes a little bit of copy, chat GPT. Um, yep. So, yep. so, but we do, we're actually actively looking for copywriters right now. That's our biggest bottleneck is uh, sale is like, it's, it's marketing. It's getting like our web pages built quickly and our copy written quickly. Uh, to keep up with how fast we want to roll things out. Yeah, because not only are you acquiring companies, but you guys are rolling out new programs and new initiatives and everything's connecting and email campaigns and all of that is super heavy yeah. copy intensive. 
exactly that. And, and yeah, so it takes, it takes some time for sure. So that's, like I said, if, if there's anyone out there, <laughs> we need you now. Cool. I'll, I, maybe I'll be able to make some con- connections for you guys. Yeah. So we've, we've heard your vision for 10 years from now or so. What, what is the one year and three year? And I, we know the billion dollar valuation is, is, is the future goal. What is maybe the next 12, 36 month vision yep. for Native So company? we want to do about 30 million or so in just in education, right? So the education brands, we also have our service side. Um, I think in total, not including real estate. So not including real estate revenue. So that 40 million includes our real estate revenue. Um, not including real estate revenue, we want to do probably about 40 million across all the other companies uh, is our personal goal. And so right now, our additional services, we are rolling out ed- uh, editing services for our stu- currently just for our students, but we are going to roll that out for everybody. So that'll be like short form videos, long form videos like these podcasts, um, YouTube videos. So that way, you know, you can get the cool cuts and cool captions that people will want to see and that what like videos that ryan has basically so that's the big one we're rolling out a crm um skip trace company for our investors basically like our the ideal funnel for what we're building is people find us through our free platforms right so through um the wealthy way app through the wealthy way 60 through ryan's content they buy coaching then once they're in coaching i mean they're, they're learning, they're good, but there's only so much that they're going to get out of it outside of, you know, great friends, the events that they attend, all that kind of stuff. Then, well, we need, they need services. So we'll provide them with world-class service with really, really good products, but that's what, you know, keeps them in the ecosystem. Then the last one is that they want to invest with us. So that's Tykes, Pineda Capital. Um, they bring us deals, bring us businesses. That's kind of the the holy grail for us. Love it. Javi, thank you so much for giving us a glimpse into your life and into the Pineda set of companies. Uh, It's been such an honor. So for those of you listening, maybe you're just a salesman right now. Maybe you're in high school. Maybe you're struggling in real estate sales. Write down something you learned from today so that you can take action because we know that if you take action within the next seven days, you're going to move closer to freedom. Freedom is only one action away at a time. Before you know it, you're going to be living a life of freedom. Thank you for tuning in. We'll catch you guys on the next one.